In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this sweet presence of your spirit. We thank you for the presence of your spirit is an atmosphere for miracles. An atmosphere for the power of God to be demonstrated. We bless you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory, O God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go and celebrate the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Today we have uh, as our speaker someone who is no stranger to us here at Jesus House. Apart from the fact that he comes through here once, at least once, sometimes twice a year to be a blessing to us. It's also the strength of my relationship with him. Uh, it's funny, when I listen to some sermons that I have preached, I'm amazed as to how many times I mention his name. And that's really because we speak literally every other day. And sometimes we spend a lot of hours on the phone. Someone might ask, so what are you guys talking about for all those, those hours? Well, we encourage each other. We are round about the same place in ministry. Uh, we encourage each other. Um, he's known me since I started my Christian walk. The joke was that he was sitting on the stage when I did the altar call. Um, he was one of the pastors on the stage when I did the altar call and gave my life to Christ. And we've remained friends and grown a deeper friendship since then. So we talk a lot about what God has called us to. We encourage ourselves. We share the Bible a lot. You know, uh, Both him and I get excited about revelation in the Bible. We share a lot. We encourage each other when we, when, when we have sermons to preach. We talk about ourselves and laugh about, laugh about ourselves. We also laugh a lot at, about life and laugh a lot about, about other people. If they knew some of the things we have laughed at, I'm sure some of them won't be speaking to us anymore. I'm just grateful for his friendship. I, I said recently that I, I certainly wouldn't be in ministry if it hadn't been for his friendship. Uh, for uh, I remember one or two occasions where he spoke to me wise counsel, I heeded the counsel, and I avoided what I, what I now know with hindsight would have been uh, me getting involved in something that could have really altered the course of ministry. Um, uh, he has stood for me and with me in this journey of life, and, and I, I genuinely appreciate uh, his friendship. So I'd like you to open up your hearts to him as he comes to share from what God has laid on his heart for us. Uh, Jesus House was the first Jesus House out of the family of churches 
that we belong to that is part of the larger redeemed Christian church of God. And right after this one, the next Jesus house was Jesus house in D.C. It's now in Silver Spring in Maryland, but it's still called Jesus house D.C. because that was the original name. So please make welcome the senior pastor of Jesus house D.C., Pastor Gandhi Olawi, as he comes to share the word of God. Can we be seated? Amen. Um, I feel privileged, like I always say, to be here. And uh, of course, this is the flagship of the Jesus Houses. And um, uh, being Pastor Agu's friend has elevated me also in the society. Because every time people meet me, they say, oh, when I say Pastor Khan, they say, you are Pastor Agu's friend. I say, yes, I am. And immediately, they put me on a higher level. And so his friendship has been very, very beneficial to me. And I appreciate him for that. And of course, um, Doc, um, myself and Doc were in college together. I always like to say that because people believe that we must be age mates and everything. So of course, we're in college together, but we're not classmates. So I've known him also for so many years. And all the leaders, we appreciate every one of you. Heavenly Father, once again today, we thank you. We give you all of the glory for that which you do. We thank you because, Lord, we are here because you have made us to be here. The few words we will say, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will do one thing. You will expand it in our hearts. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. You know, um, when you see a man that is balanced, one of the things I always say is that the balance of a man when he's married is dependent upon his wife. And um, I believe that uh, the balance of Pastor Agu today is dependent upon his wife. And because women can cause disequilibrium in one's life, especially if he gets it wrong. And so, please, I would like us to appreciate the, man, the woman that makes pastoral balance. Shola, amen. And please, always encourage Shola so she does not cause disequilibrium in the life of your pastor. Because uh, when a man is out of <laughs> balance, it will affect the church. So for your own sake, just let her continue to pray for her so that it can balance your pastor. Amen. Once again, please honor Pastor Shola. Amen. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 13. Verse 17. I want to share something I call the experience at Sinai. Exodus 13, verse 17. Let's read it together. It so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistine, which was the shortest route. For God taught 
If the people encounter war, they will change their minds and go back to Egypt. This passage tells us a lot, and I mean a lot. One of the things it tells us is that, number one, that God knows us. It's a very comforting verse. I'm going to meditate on this. It tells us that God knows us. It tells us that God does not only know us. It tells us that God cares for us. It tells us that God's purpose for our life, God wants it to happen. It tells us that God does not want us to be frustrated about life. This passage tells us that his promises, God is able to bring them to pass. Because we know the story, God told the children of Israel, I have a large land for you. I have a land called a land of El Dorado for you, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. He says, I have that land for you. <clears throat> and so he was going to take them to the land. And this passage tells us God's commitment to his word. He does not want us to go back to what he brought us out of. He never wants the dog to go back to his vomit. And so it is important to God that we make it. This passage tells us that, that it's important to God that we should make it. And so he knew the challenge that they might face. He took them through a longer route. And so we find out that a whole lot of times, we might not understand why God is doing what he's doing. But because it's omniscient God, it's all-knowing. Many of us will believe that God is omnipotent, that he's all-powerful. We believe that God is omnipresent, God is everywhere. So in the bathroom, we pray to God. But there is an advantage every believer has that unbelievers don't have, and that's the omniscience of God, or what we call omniscience of God. The ability of God to be all-knowing. God knows everything. He knows everything. Man has knowledge, but no matter God's, man's knowledge, it's myopic and man is parochial in everything. But God sees the 360, the total view of everything. And so this passage tells us that God is, is so important to heaven that we will achieve that which he has set out for us. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is perdition. And so because God knows that the chances that these people will like to take what seems to be the shortest route, a lot of the times we complain that, God, how come I'm going through this challenge for such a long time? At times, God wants to take us through a scenic journey. He wants to take us through a longer route because it makes everything beautiful in its own time. And because it's all-knowing, he knows that if you do and you go the shortcut, you might not make it. Many times we've tried to go the shortcut and we get frustrated. And many times we lose our faith because we're trying to go the shortcut. So God took them on a longer route because he knows them. So many of us, we're sitting here today, we're asking questions. God, why am I going through this? Why is this thing taking so long? There are times when God allows it to take a long time because it is always about his ultimate. God makes decisions because of the end, not because of the beginning. Man looks at the beginning to make Choices for the future. God looks at the hand to make choices for the beginning of our lives. And so we'll look at this passage. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Numbers 9, 15 says, The day of the dwelling was set up. The cloud covered the dwelling of the tent from sunset 
until daybreak. It was over the tabernacle, as the King James said. It looked like fire. It was like that all the time. The cloud over the dwelling at the night looking like fire. Verse 17. When the cloud lifted above the tent, the people of Israel marched out. And when the cloud descended on the camp, uh, uh, descended, the people camped. The people of Israel marched at God's command. That's so important. At God's command. They camped at, the, at his command. And as long as the cloud was over the dwelling, they camped. Even when the cloud hovered over the dwelling for many days, they honored God's command and they wouldn't march. And they stayed in the camp, obedient to God's command. As long as the cloud was over the dwelling, was over the dwelling. But the moment the God issued orders, they marched. Please give me King James Version, New King James Version. But if the cloud stayed only from sunset to daybreak and then lifted at daybreak, they marched. Night or day, it made no difference when the cloud lifted the so it was, when the cloud remained only from the evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they will journey. When by the day or by night, when the cloud was taken up, they will journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, so there are times that the cloud remains for us. There are times when God is silent. There are times when God is not doing anything. He's not saying anything to us. We expect him that because he spoke yesterday, because we journeyed yesterday, we are going to journey today. But at times, this passage tells us that at times God is saying nothing. It's just quiet. It's silent. But he knows what he's doing because God makes everything beautiful in his own time. Don't forget, it is the end that makes the difference to God. How is this thing going to end? He doesn't get so excited about our beginning. It doesn't matter. Your beginning might be small, but he knows that at the end of it, you will not remain small. He camped and journeyed, but when he was taken up, they will journey. Next verse. I say. But what we learned with this passage is that God has just brought the children of Israel out of dark, out, out of slavery, and he was taking them to the promised land. He taught them a major lesson here. Number one, the longer the route does not mean that God is not with you. The fact that it takes time does not mean anything. It took them through a longer route. And also, he taught them some lessons here. One of the things he taught them is the leading of the Lord. Because they, there was no compass. There was no navigation system. So they had to do one thing, follow the cloud. And so he taught them a lesson of following. He taught them a lesson of what you, how you see things and how you follow the thing. That's what he taught them. He taught them obedience. Because the Bible kept on saying, at the command of the Lord. He was the one commanding them. He was the one telling them what they had to do. He taught them trusting him. Because don't forget, they do not know where the land is. He is the only one who knows where he was taking them. And so since they have never been there, they have to trust him that this cloud is going to take them to where God has promised them. He taught them having peace with God. You can imagine how frustrating it can be that you are following a God that you cannot see. Because it's difficult, you know. Anybody can follow God when things are moving. The, 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 the challenge of following God is when nothing is happening, when God is silent. So this passage tells us about 
how to find rest. So God at times you will have moved and moved and moved, but God in his infinite wisdom will tell, it's time for you to rest. He taught them how to find rest. He taught them long suffering. He taught them how to die to self and the passions and their emotions. So, you know, at times you will be frustrated. You will think, oh, it's time for us to go. Then for the next one year, you remain in the same place. He taught them it is not about them. It's not about their feelings. It's not about their emotions. It's about him. He taught them that it's not your ways, but my ways. And one of the things he taught them is that it is not according to pattern. It is not according to pattern. He does what he wants to do. The Bible says that he sits in heaven, he does what he wants to do, and he wants us to live with it. He taught them self-control. And so they found out that on this journey to the promised land, they've got to follow the cloud and be patient with the cloud. Of course, don't forget the cloud is a representation of his presence. So he gave them the cloud for direction. He gave them that cloud for his presence. So as long as they see that cloud, they know that the Lord is with them. Matthew 11, verse 28. Let's go to the New Testament now. Matthew 11, 28. In Matthew 11, 28, Jesus Christ said this. He said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will do one thing, I will give you rest. That was a clarion call. And with that kind of call, I can imagine that he stood in the marketplace and said that many people would have gravitated towards him. Many people would have said, oh my God, who does not need rest? Everybody needs rest for their soul. Everybody has one burden or a laden upon them that they want someone to carry for them. But after that, look at the next thing he said. Then he says, take my yoke. The people would have wondered because they understood at that time what yoke is. And learn from me, for I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, and you will then find rest for your soul. So he gave them the panacea of how to find rest. That learn from me, learn my principle, watch how I do things, let me be your example. And when I am your example, one thing is guaranteed you will find rest for your soul. He, he used the word yoke. There are two reasons why animals are yoked. Two reasons. Number one, animals are yoked for work. So the people who came for rest, they would have said, I thought you asked us to come for rest. Why are you telling us about work again? So the reason why animals are yoked is for number one, for work. The number two reason why animals are yoked is for control. That tells me that God wants to control us. Many times we hear the gospel of, oh, God doesn't care, we have freedom and everything, or we have liberty. But the truth of the matter is that God wants to control. In actual fact, we must be controlled. Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. The chances that man will do evil is higher than man will do good. We have affinity towards evil things. So it is important for us to be controlled. It's so important that God must control us. Because he's the only one who knows the prom who has given you the promise. He's the only one who can guide you to this promise. He's the only one it is his control that will make you to get to where he wants you to get to. But men don't like to be controlled. And you find out that when they, when they were delivered from slavery, the first thing he did, he taught them how to, he taught them control, obedience to his word. He taught them how to listen to his command. Jesus Christ said the same thing. 
that you've got to be controlled. Because, you know, we talk about the word trespass. Forgive us of our trespasses. As we forgive those that trespass. The word trespass is just a very simple legal word. What it means is that there is a boundary, and when you go across the boundary, you have trespassed. That's it. So if you do not have control, you will continue to trespass into the, across the boundary where you are not supposed to be. So if there is no control in your life, you just find out that you continuously go across the boundary without you knowing. So trespass tells us there is a boundary and there is a control that is there. So Jesus Christ told them, he said, you've got to yield to control. But what does it mean? Look at what he said here. He said, I am gentle and lowly in heart, which is the word for meek. Another translation says meek. The word meek means to be humble and patient. The word meek means to be overly submissive. It means to be tamed. It means to be gentle and kind. And this is what God wants to still do for us. That even as believers, God wants to control us. He wants us under his control. Because he knows that if we are not controlled, we will not get to his promise. Then let's go on to um, John chapter 5, verse 30. And then I'll tie everything together. In John chapter 5, verse 30, which of course is, my, is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, if not number one. And I've shared part of this in this church before. Jesus, who is our ultimate example, taught us a lesson with this John chapter 5, verse 30. And I want to encourage you to go and meditate upon this passage. In Acts chapter 10, verse 30, the disciples were telling the people that Jesus Christ was anointed the word anointed means to empower. That Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It says that he went about doing the right things, doing good. That's what he said. And of course, bringing deliverance to the people. So this same Jesus told us what is the key to his success. His key to his success is in this John chapter 5 verse 30. And that if we all look at this John chapter 5 verse 30, and like I said, I preached this many years ago in this church, it is not that will I be successful, it is you will be successful. In actual fact, you will, be, you will get to the top. It's not that I think, it's what I know. So we found out that he said something here, that the reason why I'm successful, the reason why things happen for me, it's because of this. Let's look at John chapter 5, verse 30. John 5, 30. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. The next thing he says is, as I hear, don't forget, the children of Israel, they followed by sin. In the New Testament, we don't follow by sin. What we follow is by hearing and the leading of the Lord. It is called faith. So, in the New Testament, it is faith in God. So there is no cloud for us to follow. There is no manna for us to eat. But what do we do? We hear, we don't follow by seeing. 
So Jesus says something here. I can of my own self do nothing, which means that he emptied himself. Many of us, our challenge with it is that we come full. We think we know what we, we, we can do. We feel our degree, our exposure in life, and the things that we know because of the position that we have filled. We feel we know everything. But the creator of heaven and earth, when he came into this world, said, I can of my own self do nothing. I have no power of my own. I have no knowledge of my own. I have no wisdom of my own. I can't do anything. That's what the creator of the heaven and earth. You have not created anything. But you are full. There is nothing more to add to you. John the Baptist said something. He said, I must decree. The word I there means I myself and I. Everything is about you. He said that must decrease and he must increase. And what that means is that with the increase of God in your life, of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you will become a better person. Because when it's about you, that's not what God wants. Because God wants to control you. He wants to control us because of the plan that he has for our lives. And he said this. The next thing is what? As I hear. That's what he said. Not as I feel. So you find out that in the Old Testament, it's about what they see, they follow. In the New Testament, it's not what we see. It's what? It's what we hear. So Jesus was saying, the reason why I am so successful is about my hearing. Many people say, but pastor, we don't hear. We don't hear God. But the same people will say, the devil said this to me. If you can hear the devil, you can hear God. Because the devil speaks in the spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks in the spirit. So the Bible tells us in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, God has empowered you and me who are believers for us to go about making the right choices. So Jesus said the same thing here. He said, he said, as I hear, not as I feel, not as I think, not the way my perspective is, not about my background, because those are the things that makes us to make choices. He says, not about my personal idiosyncrasies, not about the way I've figured it out. He says, as I hear, because when you are full, your hearing capability it's not that much. Why? Because you think you know it already. So you go ahead and do it. That's why Jesus said, nothing, I'm, I'm empty. Because I'm empty, I'm ready to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So he said, as I hear, I judge. Another translation, the one I like is that, as I hear, I make choices. Because when, anytime you judge, you judge between more than one thing. Because if there's one thing, there's nothing to judge. You just take that one. So Jesus said something. That in life, in everyday, life presents choices to us. But how do I make my choice? I don't make my choice because of my knowledge. Not because of my wisdom. Not because of my parents. Not because of my children. Not because of my husband. I don't make choices because of that. I make choices as I hear. Not as I feel. Not as I woke up. But that's a hear. So it's so important that you and me must hear God. We must hear the Holy Spirit, which is what he did in the Old Testament. He taught them the leading of the Lord. That's why we must commit all our ways unto him. And then he will direct our path. 
No matter how small it is, you just commit it to him. Don't say, I know it. Don't forget one of the things we learned that it doesn't follow a pattern. Jesus Christ saw the woman whose son was, uh, uh, the woman of Nain, whose son was supposed to be buried. It, it, the Bible says that he touched the bear, the coffin, and told the boy to rise up. He saw another dead child. He said, Talita Kumi, oh yeah, go home. You know, so you find out that there was no pattern. He saw a blind man, he said, receive your sight. He saw another one, he spat on him. Another one, he made the clay. So there was no pattern. It's according to how he's led. So that's why he said this one. He says, my judgment, that is my choices are always right. Because it doesn't follow a pattern. It's as the leading of the Holy Spirit. So with the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus Christ said something here. Maybe we should look at this. Um, John 16. We'll, we'll keep our hands on this one. John chapter 16. Verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is of, it's to your own advantage that I go away. How can the Savior of the world say that? That is an advantage. Though we want you to be here, Jesus. But he says, no, it's your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the upper will not come. The state that man is today, we are in a falling state. When they say the falling state, a state of the uh, falling in Magado. That's where we are today. So God knows that you and me, we need a comforter. Because of the pain and the challenges that we will go through. He knows that we will need an helper. He knows we will need someone to continue to comfort us because of the challenges that we will go through, to continue to encourage us, to be our advocate, to be our counselor, to be there for us. So he says that this is why I must go away, so that he can come. Look at the next thing, the next verse, in verse 13, which is one that I believe blows everything away when it has to do with the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll bet... When he, the spirit of truth, because we know the spirit of life is there, which is the devil. You understand who Jesus says is the father of life. There is no truth in him. And so he says that the spirit of truth, he, he will come and he will guide you into all truths. Not into all facts, because facts changes, but truth is permanent. It can be a fact today that this is the fastest car, but tomorrow it might not be the fastest car. So facts can change, but truth is permanent. So he says here that he will guide you not to all fast, but to all truth. He will guide you because we need guidance. That's why I say we need control. He will tell you this is what you should do. And that's why Jesus Christ said, I say here. Why? To guide me to make choices. So he guides me to make choices. And Jesus Christ said, my choices are always right. He says, I never make mistakes. Why? Because I've been guided into the truth of the matter. I've been guided into the truth of the matter. Like Solomon, he wasn't there. But he was able to be guided into the truth of who owns that child. So, the Holy Spirit is there for you and me. That's why Jesus Christ said, it's important for me to go. Let the Holy Spirit come and guide you into all truth. The things you don't understand, it guides you. The way I say that passage is so, it's so exciting is that you can imagine that a lot of choices you have made, <laughs> that you are weeping over, that is causing you so much pain, if you had used the Holy Spirit, he would have told you that that man you want to marry, don't marry him. 
That's hell here on earth. That woman, <laughs> she's a witch. Don't even touch her. You understand? So it will tell you that that business you want to start, don't start it. Nobody's going to be looking for that goods in the next five years. That course that you want to study in the university, four years after, you will regret it, someone like me. You graduate and you're wondering why did you read this kind of course? So you will find out that many things you do, you will not do it because Jesus Christ said, as I hear, I make choices. And that's why the Bible says, the spirit of truth will guide you. It will guide you, you know. When they say, that's what the cloud was doing there. It was guiding them, helping them to navigate the, the Philistines, helping them to navigate the Amalekites, helping them to navigate different things. Booby traps is always on the way. But what the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. You want to, you, you want to wake up in the morning, you say, don't take that place, there's traffic. Don't go and sit down in traffic. Don't go and do this one. Don't have any, anything to do with that person. Don't do this one. You're even going for an interview. And I think I, I said this last year. You're going for an interview. There's this yellow dress you like. You want to wear the yellow dress. You can't wait to wear the yellow You want to pick that thing? The Holy Spirit says, no, don't wear it. The person is going to interview you. The color he hates or she hates is yellow. So if you wear that yellow, once you walk into that place, say, not this one at all. If this is the kind of clothes you are going to be wearing here, it's not the place. He's saying that under his breath. Meanwhile, you are so excited. We are the yellow is looking at you. You tell us, because we don't want this kind of dress here. It will guide you to all truth. The smallest details of our lives is interested in it. And the next thing he said is that he will not speak of his own authority. He's going to be speaking about what he sees, what he knows about you. That's what he's going to be telling you. He will be telling you, guiding you, because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what God's mind is concerning your life. So he's not going to be talking about himself. It's going to, the revelation of Jesus you will ever have. The revelation of Jesus Christ you will ever have. The revelation of Jesus Christ you will ever have will be dependent on your yielding to the Holy Spirit. You will never, never know deep things about Jesus Christ without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. He says, he's going to talk to you about me. So, your extent of Jesus, you can shout that you know Jesus alone. It will always be limited. <laughs> because the greater revelation of Jesus can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at what the next thing says. It says, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. I'm not joking. I can talk about that last verse. For a whole month of things to come. Kai, can you imagine that you know of things to come? There are a lot of people, they call them, they have Midas touch. There's no Midas touch. <laughs> we are the ones who are supposed to have Midas touch. Why? Because we know. <laughs> we know of things to come. He tells you, no, do this. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what will happen. People go to Palmy Street to tell them what their future. Everybody wants to know their future. But the Holy Spirit can tell you of your future. It's the one who will continue to remind you. When you want to do certain things, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. Because it will affect your future. Where you are going, this will affect it. That's the thing. He will tell you of things to come. This is an advantage every believer has that unbelievers don't have. Because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, showing us and telling us 
of things to come. Let's go back to John chapter 5. I know that um, you've dealt a lot with Holy Spirit, so we just wanted to add one or two changes to that. Or two cents. It says, I can of my own self do not, as I hear, I make choices, I judge. And the interesting thing there is my judgment is always just. So Jesus Christ, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good, said the reason why this is that I have the Holy Spirit. My judgment is always right. I never make a mistake. That's what he said. I never make a mistake. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has empowered me not to make a mistake. I never, because it's not about me. Look at the next thing he said. Because I do not seek my own will. I do not seek my own will. You think about your prayer points. It's about your will. <laughs> he says it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not about me. We seek our own will in everything. The reason why people don't pay tithes is because of their own will. That's why they don't give. It's about their own will. Because their will is to live in a particular neighborhood. They know that that neighborhood will not make them pay tithe. Their will is about the car they want to use because that will will not make them pay tithe. And you say, but Pascal, why should we pay tithe? No, it's because of the furtherance of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the most important thing to God. But Gandhi, you have never met God. I've never met God, but I've heard about him. I've read about him. If he gave up his child for the church to be born, nobody needs to tell me that that's the most important thing to him. He has only one, gave it up so that the church can be born. So if, for the church to be born, he gave up his son. So that's the most important thing for him. So I know that so his will is for you to support that which he gave his son to die for. That's the will of the father. Nobody needs to tell me that. But I read it in the Bible to know that that's his will. That the church must continue. This gospel must continue to preach until the second appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father. The will of the Father. So we are praying all the time for the kingdom of God to come. What does it mean by the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God is, is a place of is authority. It's the place of God's influence. That's what it is. It's a place of God's domain where God controls. So we are continuously praying for his will. That Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom, your rulership, your authority, your domination, your, 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 your domain, let it come. Let it come to be established. Let it come to come to power. So Jesus is saying that it's not about me. I lead, I, I, I yield myself to who? To the leading of the Lord. That comes through the Holy Spirit. So he speaks, master speak, for the servant hear it. So as God speaks, that's what I do. So it's not about me. But you think about it. <laughs> Bible says, husband, love your wife. Wives, honor your husband. But your wife has done something that does not deserve to be loved. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit says to you, But you say, that's not my will, though. Ah, that's not my will. 
That's why many people, listen, he says, my, your, my, his word will not return to him void until it has accomplished that which it has been set out to. Many of us say God does not speak to us. The words that he said to you that you didn't do, is his word not returning to him void? And then you want him to continue to speak to you so his word will continue to return to him void, not accomplish what he has been set out to. That's why many of you, you don't hear the Holy Spirit again. Because the things he told you was a difficult thing. And we just read this one. It's a difficult thing going through a longer route, especially when you know there's a shorter route. But God told them, you've got to trust me on this. You've got to believe in me on this. You've got to know I'm in charge of this. It's the same thing. So that's why Jesus Christ said, it's not my will. The reasons why you do what you do is because of your will. And then we, we, we are wondering why it seems that God is not acting in our lives. Because it's about us. He wants to guide us to all truth. We say, no, that's not the truth I want. He wants us to go on the shorter or the longer line. He says, no, that's not the route I want. So when it's about us, we will always find difficulties and challenges in life. And that's why Jesus Christ said, no, that's not the plan. Let me go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Listen, most of the time, we have our general overseer. Everybody believes that he hears, no, not everybody believes. I believe also that he hears from God. So people gather all over the time, a million people, just wanting to say, Daddy said this. But that thing is not supposed to be his monopoly. It's for all of us. All of us should hear the way he hears clearly. That's God's plan. It's not any special to God more than you are. It's just because you have not yielded. It's only that he has yielded more than you and me. And let me tell you this. Every father wants to talk to his child that obeys him. How many child wants to talk to a wall that doesn't obey? He's trying to guide you to the truth. You say, no, that's not what I want. I would rather live a lie than the truth. Many people want to live a lie than the truth. And the Holy Spirit is not in the business of lying. So he leaves you at times. He says, if that's what you want, <laughs> that's what you're going to do. But I'm not going to follow you with that lie. That lie you want to live, I'm not going to follow you. So you say you don't hear God. No, he will have guided you to all truths if you listen to him. Then the last thing they said there, who sent me? You know, I live with the ambassador, Nigerian ambassador to Germany some years ago. And I had an idea about ambassadors. He doesn't need to pay rent. He doesn't need to think about what he's going to eat or drink. How his children are going to go to school. No, because it was, it, was an, it, was, it was a Nigerian ambassador. And so all his needs were taken care of by the country that sent him. <laughs> if you know you are sent, then you don't panic. So when Jesus Christ said, come under my control and I will give you rest. When you are under heaven's control, <laughs> you will have rest for your soul. In the midst of storm, you just believe that the one who sent me, I'm not here by myself, I'm here by God. So you, that is settled in your mind. And I will be guided by him. So I'm not panicking if I, I get sick. I know that the one who sent me is called the Jehovah the Rapha. He will heal me. I know he's the one who will provide for me. So I'm not panicking. Because I know I'm sent. But many people do not know they are sent. 
And when you don't know you are sent, you will panic in every stormy situation or everything that is contrary that comes to your path. But Jesus Christ said something. He says, let's go over to the other side. The Bible says he was resting on a pillow. He was asleep in the midst of a storm because he knew that the word had gone forth to go to the other side. And so he does not need to panic. The one who said it is able to do it. As he said it, will he not do it? So if God has said it, I don't need to panic. I was sent here. And I know his promises towards me. You know, the children of Israel, they left. They didn't get to the promised land. Very unfortunate. Only two of them made it. But one thing we know is not that God who <laughs> called them out of slavery was not able to bring them to the promised land. He was able to do it. The second thing is that the place he promised them was existing. But yet they did not make it. So it's possible <laughs> for God to give man a promise and for that promise not to come to pass. Why did it not come to pass? He once guided them to all truth, but they refused to that truth. It was always about them, about how they felt. They forgot the one who brought them out that he was able to bring them in. Many times, most of us, we do not believe that God who has called us, who sent us to this world, and that your life has a purpose. Let me tell you this. It's not to, <laughs> it's not to heaven's credit when his children miss the mark. It's not to God's credit. You can imagine the pain in the heart of God when we miss the mark. Because we are here to show forth his praises. We are here to show forth his glory. And how can we show forth his glory when we continuously get into booby traps? Others, we should go, they're just looking at us and you call yourself a Christian. They should never say that about us. Jesus Christ said, I never miss it. Let me close with this. He preached at age 12. There was a standing ovation. After he finished preaching, everybody was clapping. The professor says, where did this young boy get all this wisdom? Eminent scholars were sitting in the congregation. They were saying, we've never had this kind of thing before. He was age 12. The next thing that happened is that we didn't hear about this man again until he was 30. 18 years of waiting. How long have you waited? 18 years of waiting. Let me tell you this. The major challenge of that story is that John the Baptist, who was supposed to be the forerunner, the harbinger, started his own ministry. Everybody was going for his crusade. He was, his crusade was held in the desert. People left the city to go to the desert to listen to him. They got to the desert and abused them. He said, you brood of vipers, who has warned you? He said, the axe is going to be laid to your roots. All of you are going to become them. He said all of that. He abused them. They still came back. If we do that in church today, we won't see anybody. Everybody will, ah, ah, why are they abusing us? He abused them. They came back. <laughs> they said, get the sugar. The hands will always come uninvited. He had the message. You can imagine that our Lord Jesus Christ was in the carpenter's workshop and he's seen Johnny Man literally leave the carpenter's workshop, going, saying, there's a crusade by John tonight. I'm closing at four. And they go in for the crusade. And Jesus knowing that he is the son of God, is the savior of the world. 
You can imagine him saying to the other journeymen walking with him that I'm the savior of the world. <laughs> they will have loved him to scorn. They said, go and deliver the chair. What's wrong with you? Go and deliver the table. Oh, son of God, I beg, please. Just don't, don't, don't say that one. Yeah. But he waited for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Not what he saw influenced him. He knew he was sent. He didn't panic. Guess what? John's disciples, they later became his own disciple. <laughs> he didn't panic. The business I want to do, somebody else is doing it. Let me quickly go and start my own before he captures all the customers. No, 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 no. It's not as you feel, not as you see, but as you hear. When his time came, the one who was his harbinger lost his head so that he would show forth his glory. In natural fact, <laughs> the one that was celebrated said that this man, I'm not able to latch his sandals. The one who was celebrated, by the time that one endorsed him, nobody could say anything again. They left him and came to him. His ministry ended. Don't let your ministry end because you ran ahead. And I'm saying John ran ahead, but I'm just using it as an example. Wait for your time. When you wait for your time, that's when the glory of God will rest upon you. I'm out of time. I'm not out of message. Let's bow down our heads. Ask the Father to speak to you afresh. I think many of us, including me, we need to ask God to forgive us of the different times the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and that we have ignored it. Can we make a commitment to say, Master, speak for thy servant here it. God doesn't want you and me to make mistakes. He doesn't want the world to laugh at us. He wants us to be celebrated because we never miss it. Jesus Christ said, as I hear, I make choices. My choices are always right. I hit the bull's eye all the time. All the time when I shoot, I hit it. Why? Because they tell me when to shoot. They tell me how to shoot. And so I never miss it. Father, Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. Are you here today? You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? It's the first step to hearing. It's the first step for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. Then he speaks to you. He guides you. Then it becomes a relationship. He knows you need the comforter because he knows you're going to go through pain. He says, he calls it another place, helper. Because he knows that you are limited. You can't do it by yourself. You can't. And that's why Jesus Christ said, I can of my own self do nothing. Though I created the whole world for my pleasure, but I cannot do anything. I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's why the disciples said that Jesus Christ was anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He went about doing the right things. He went about doing the right things. The Holy Spirit is here. He wants to guide you and me into all truth. He doesn't want us to make a mockery of ourselves. He wants our life to show forth the glory of God. 
that everyone that sees us, they say, this one is surely the blessed of the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. That's what he wants to do for us. Will you open your hearts today and say, Spirit of the living God, fill me afresh. Will you open your hearts? Do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Can you wave to me? This is the first step. I did this some years ago. We all did this. Don't deny him before men. Don't deny him before men. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work. He's looking for people like you and me to do the work with so that we can show forth his glory. Let's make heaven proud by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Let's make heaven proud because we yield to him. That's why he sent him. The Holy Spirit, like I said, the first fell upon the mixed multitude. The 120 people, they were not only the apostles. It fell on every one of them. All of them. All of them that believed, it fell upon all of them. So don't think that this hearing of God is only for the pastor. It's for you too. Once you're a child of God, he wants to dwell within you. That's why they say we have this precious thing inside of us, in this hearted person. He wants to dwell inside of us. Father, Lord, we thank you. speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not the only thing. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God helps our infirmities. When we don't even know what to pray about, the Holy Spirit helps us. Many times you don't even know what to say. But then, what happens is that you start to speak in tongues. And then, the challenges and the things you speak mystery, that's what the Bible says. It's, not, it's, it's mysterious words to you, but it's clear word to heaven. It's not mystery to heaven. So it is mystery to you, but it's not mystery to heaven. So if you don't speak in tongue, and you want to speak in tongue, can you come so we can pray with you? You say, you know what, I would like to speak in tongue. I would like to speak mystery, but I don't understand it. It's not gibberish words. They are clear words to heaven. If you want to, can you come? So we can pray with you. You don't speak in tongues. You want to speak in tongues. Because there are times you don't know what to say. All you can say is words, a few words. Are you here today? I want to assume that all of us will speak in tongues. Please don't leave this place without speaking in tongues. It's not a gibberish thing. It is clear to heaven. Because at times, we do not know what to pray about. But it helps us. It says it helps our infirmities, our shortcomings, the areas where we are lacking. The Spirit of God helps us.
Please, if you don't speak in tongues, don't be ashamed of this. You just need help. Jesus Christ said, I can of my own self do nothing. <laughs> and the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit that filled them up. And when he filled them up, we went about doing the right things, doing good. Are you here today? <laughs> 